Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. The views and opinions of this show are directly those of the hosts and its guests. It does not reflect the opinions of its affiliates or its sponsors. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens... When the mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view, <laughs> something epic. This is Paratroop Radio. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And tonight we've got another amazing episode for you. Um, before we get going, um, I just wanted to uh, do a dedication for this episode to my father-in-law, Barton Sailor, and my stepdad, Norman Roan, both who have passed. Um, so Godspeed to both of them, and I hope they had a safe uh, transition into their afterlife. Um, but with that being said, uh, so that the entire episode is not completely melancholy, uh, we do have a guest on tonight. We're going to be talking to Heather Green about her book, Lights, Camera. For the ado, let's go to the line with Heather Green. Heather Green, welcome to Paratruth Radio. How's it going today? It's going great. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So the the first question I've got for you um, is pretty much the one we ask every author is, what inspired you to write this book, Lights, Camera, Witchcraft? Um, well, that's there's a little backstory to that, so I'll share. Um I was in film school and I had been studying film uh, for a number of years. And alongside that, I was studying uh, witchcraft and the occult and they were not linked or, or woven together in any way. It was sort of just in tandem. And then um, I noticed at that point, there had been an upswing in the number of witchcraft related films. And I was already doing a sort of historical study. I'm working on my master's thesis and stuff. And I said, there is something to this. And so that was sort of my, the seed that got this idea started. Let's look at this through history. Let's look at the witchcraft in film. It was sort of the similar study to what I was, had been doing already, but not exactly. Um, but I put it on the back burner for a while and then picked it up again when I noticed the upswing, uh, another upswing um, in about 2013. And I said, I'm going to do this study this time. <laughs> it's going to happen. Okay. Right. So, I mean, it was really fascinating to read about the evolution of like witchcraft and even the practitioner of, uh, of witchcraft in film. Uh, of course, Hollywood often takes creative leeway on how both the character and the beliefs of that character is portrayed, uh, often leaving viewers with misconceptions. Uh, and in this case, misconceptions of witchcraft. What would you say is the importance of lights, camera, witchcraft? And in your research, can you recall a film that got the portrayal of witchcraft spot on? 
Um, well, the second question, I don't really believe there is a single fiction narrative film that gets it spot on. Because in order to tell a good story, you have to do some exaggeration. You have to add some color to it that might not be there. Um, and that's with any profession. That's with any representation, really, um, which is if they were be, if they were to be portrayed accurately to the T, um, it's it would be pretty boring story for the most part, you know, like anybody. Um, but uh, the first question you asked is what's important about this book? Um, there are a lot of things that are, there are a lot of aspects of it, usually been an allegory or um, ascribed to the woman and her power. And that comes out in this film. So uh, I'm sorry, in this book, um, it also demonstrates the things you're talking about. It demonstrates how witchcraft was portrayed, how it's linked to um, various um, problems in our culture, um, various oppressions. Um, it also shows what it means and what it has meant in pop culture to America as, as a whole. What does witchcraft mean? Because it isn't solely just the practice of witchcraft legitimately. It means something else. It always has been for for decades and centuries. So my biggest question is, is cause we, you see vampires, you see werewolves and you see witches in the very beginning of Hollywood and even further into today. But like, what was the fascination in your opinion with, with the, witch, the transformation the witch went through from being this evil thing to something that's more sensualized today? Well, I, I, you know, I think it's happened over, over a long period of time. The emergence of the, the witchcraft movement itself was um, a big changing factor because it brought the presence of actual witchcraft, people practicing magic, um, folk magic, ceremonial magic, anything into the public eye. Of course, that wasn't necessarily a good thing because it eventually got it out that magic still exists in our world. And then, um, you know, going forward, you saw that transformation happening. So what you see in film is just, um, is just modeling what was happening in society. And, um, you know, it's, it's an important change that happened again in the 90s you start to see it linked to the girl power movement. That's what made it popular then. Young, I say young women, it was not only young women, but that's predominantly what it was marketed to is this young women, um, they could do anything. They could even do magic. They could be witches. And, you know, you go girl movement is what I like to call it. That happened in the nineties. You get a lot of that happening. And that, and it sort of capitalized on that and empowering young people expanding out into, you know, Harry Potter and um, in the shows, uh, the movies and shows of the uh, 2000s with like the Wizards of Waverly Place. So there's a notion that magic is your own empowerment. That's your own power that really was absorbed by a lot of teenagers and young people into the 2000s. And then today, you know, it's witchcraft is the power of the person who feels oppressed and needs to needs to find themselves and needs to push against boundaries. And so that's how why it's been picked up and become more and more popular, both in movies and in real life. <laughs> well, now, you know, when, when we think of witchcraft in or witches in movies or just modern literature, uh, she's often portrayed or even he uh, is portrayed as the 
uh, the protagonist or the main character, but there have been plenty of stories in which they're kind of background characters, you know, they're, they're supporting actors. And so one theme that seems common both in film and television is that of the witch showing up uh, in someone's dreams. Uh, spirit, while in others, she's portrayed as a bad omen or a pending doom or evil. Uh, so what do you think is it about the witch that filmmakers and storytellers have been writing or often writing her in as this mysterious entity appearing only during sleep? That's interesting. I'm trying to think of examples. What's, what's funny about that comment and question is the very first witch film that I could find recorded was just that, The Cavalier's Dream, where the witch appears to this, uh, to this um, knight. Um, and then there's a second one that does the same thing. So really the first two witch films ever in Hollywood's history, these little silence were just what you're talking about. I think um, the witch as a background character specifically often is used as sort of a marker of morality. Um, you know, you, you should be, be careful what you wish for, um, che a check on the main characters, um, their ethics. Uh, often the witch will pose challenges and judgment. And so if you take that piece and then also you add in the, um, the mystical element, it kind of works for a dream. I think it works really nicely for a narrative in a dream. You add those two together. Um, that's in that role. Now, if you're talking about hauntings which i think is what where we look at when you see the evil witch in dreams she becomes that mystical is she real is she not haunting um which is more like you'd find in horror okay the the even more interesting thing is this goes back way before even cameras were invented i mean this goes back to macbeth it goes back to odysseus and um it has always fascinated me that the witch is a seductress in many ways. Um, now, is there is there ever a time in any of the the fiction that you've seen where uh, it's it's not that that particular uh, persona for the witch in in any movie fic or or book or anything like that? Uh, that's specifically not a seductress, is what you're asking, right? Um, Right. Well, you know, you, you have that's one of the archetypes. You see, I call her in my book, the uh, vamp. Um, that's the vamp witch. And I use that term. Um, if you're familiar with it, it's from old Hollywood. It's it's exactly what you're talking about. And that's part of her persona. And that that particular archetype, like you said, harkens back almost is to biblical times. I mean, there mm -hmm. that that persona of the sexy, attractive woman being dangerous as in performing magic is a very old concept, a very old witch archetype. Um, the other ones you have are the crone. This is the um, this is if you've seen the movie uh, um, um, Pumpkinhead. She is the moral tale. She's the moral character, the judge. She's the old witch in the woods, the crone. They're never meant to be sexy. They're often a, a, a pillar of morality, judging. They, they play that role beautifully. They're one of the oldest characters we find. You also find um, children witches, um, young ones. Um, think Wendy from Casper. <laughs> You find a lot of those kinds. So there are a lot of archetypes, but the vamp is just one. And it's very prominent in, um, it was very prominent in the 80s. Um, and you find a, a lot of it in the 60s and late seven, early 70s as well. 
One of the other ones uh, that I, I think I saw was like the clown witch or the witch clown. Like what, what is I'm not, I've never heard of that one. So what, what is that? Uh, a, a lot of the terms in my book, I made up. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so you, got, you read the introduction and I, I, I lay that all out. Um, the clown witch is another um, archetype that is typically found in fantasy. Okay. okay. She's what she's a fantasy witch. She's a, a derivative. And then reason I named her that is because in the early, earliest uh, silent era, the witches always were dressed to look like clowns. And it's a Victorian style. Um, you think Mother Goose, think of the classic pictures of Mother Goose with the big collars and the ha- cone hats and very colorful gowns. And a lot of a lot of times in this early era, the witches were not evil. They were silly. Um, they were awful mischievous, but they weren't really the evil we think of witches. They were mm-hmm. kind of, um, sil- that's why I named them clown witches. And you see when, when a witch is dressed um, in that type of eclectic, eccentric way, um, and then plays for uh, comedy mostly, I call them a clown witch. So you find the, a few of them male clown witches in um, Bell Book and Candle. Uh, there's a couple of clown witches, female and male. You have a great clown witch, a male clown witch, and I married a I married a witch. Um, the father, he's fantastic, but he totally plays for comedy. He's totally ridiculous. And um, modern day clown witches, you find in all kinds of films. Uh, usually, they have bright, crazy red hair. Think of Endora from Bewitched. You know, mm-hmm. she would be one. Um, and um, they usually were really colorful. Maybe even you would call it hippie ga- hippie clothing now is what we call it. So that's what a clown witch is. That's another. So a lot of like how the Sanderson sisters were in Hocus Pocus. Absolutely. They're, they're, they are clown witches. They okay. are absolutely clown witches. <laughs> <laughs> so something that has fascinated me with witchcraft, even vampires, werewolves uh, throughout uh, pop culture um, is this idea that you know, now now we can start practicing witchcraft or now I can come out because I am a vampire or um, that sort of thing. In your research, have you found that witchcraft practice has amped up because of the, the pop culture influence? Oh, I, I don't think that can be unlinked at all. Absolutely. I think the, the presence of it coming out in the 60s and 70s, it, 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 it came out publicly through pop culture. Now that wasn't necessarily positive, but you got the language there. Some of those horror movies from the seventies as campy and silly as they are, are actually using real um, material from the books. But then you jump forward to the craft in 1996 and people Mm -hmm. will actually in the modern witchcraft community will say that the craft inspired them to start their practice, or they'll say, um, they, these people, the, the characters were like me. Um, it really, really spoke to that group. And that's when it changed. That's really when it's witchcraft started to emerge as a nature religion, as something spiritual rather than just some kind of uh, evil practice. It started to change in 1996. And you see that more and more. And I think they, they, they do take cues. Of course, modern witches will say, that's all well and good. You know, you like Harry Potter and it inspires you to research, but we're not worshiping. We're not practicing like Harry Potter. No one is doing the spells in Harry Potter. It's all fiction. So there's, it's one thing to be inspired by pop culture and another thing to actually 
use it for your practice. It's two separate things. Right, right. And therein lie the the misconceptions when it comes to Hollywood. You know, you're not going to wave a wand and actually something's going to appear necessarily. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, depending on the practice, of course, there's it's so much more intricate in many ways. Depending on the on the the uh, the type of spells or uh, thoughts that you're putting out there into the universe. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy to me because I've seen the same jump, and we talk we've talked to a lot of uh, spiritualists and a lot of witches who kind of they we've, we've talked to witches who like will jump various spectrums of uh occultism and spiritualism and they start to merge various beliefs and i'm seeing we're seeing more and more uh new age lack of a better term new age witches who are like oh yeah we you know we're we're wiccan and we practice you know using various typical like elements and spiritual uh or uh like nature witchcraft and stuff, but we also tie it together with the gods of old and, you know, what they represent. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's so weird and intricate. Like it's, it's hard to understand where it's coming from. It's like, but, but witchcraft is one of those things where it's become less about um, the old craft, I guess, or the old studies. And, and it's becoming more a extension of who the person is and what your beliefs are. Uh, because I think witchcraft is more or less, you know, much like many religions nowadays, like even Christianity is there's so many branches of it. Uh, you have a basis, but then depending on what you believe, it kind of expands out into your own little thing. And that's why like a lot of witches keep their own little grimoires and they write their own spells and what worked and what didn't work and things like that. Instead of just passing it down from one generation to another that they used to. Yeah, that's that you're absolutely right. I mean, it's that's one of the things actually, you know, getting back to the last question was um, that actual thing is being reflected in pop culture. And I think that's helping um, the expansion and the understanding of it as well. And you get the misconceptions on both sides. You have the misconceptions that witchcraft is evil. Then you have the misconceptions that it's Harry Potter and it's neither one. <laughs> so, right. you know, you have that, but you, but what you see, and, and, uh, you know, I go to 96 to the craft, but what's happened since then in the past 10 years, literally it's, it's reflecting exactly what you're talking about, how you, how witchcraft is no longer the Wiccan ritual uh, in the craft. It's no longer, um, you know, middle-class, um, very attractive white girl in high school performing, you know, certain spells. It's also no longer the ceremonial magic spells that you saw in the seventies. Now witchcraft is being represented in movies, narrative films, way more with way more diversity, different types of people, different types of practices, different types of folk magics are being introduced as types of witchcraft. There's an, there's an expansion on also what a witch is and who she or he is as well, what they look like. So it's no longer just black hats and, and bats and cats or, or, you know, robes and, and all that stuff. It's, it's, there's, such a diversity now that's exactly reflecting what you're talking about with the, I always say, you know, I never surprise when I meet somebody who describes their magic in a way I've never heard. I'm like, okay, <laughs> what works for you works for you. So a question that just came to my mind, and I don't know if you'll even know the answer to this, but a, a lot of times when you see people, people dress up as witches, um, or, or if you think of the Wizard of Oz, uh, the evil witch has green skin. Is there a link to to something where 
that the witch, the evil witch, has to have a a altered state of of color or something, or is there something to that? Well, I love this question because it's one of my favorite stories. And I talk about it. Why did the witch have green skin? So let's first address that. So prior to the Wizard of Oz, there was no green skin witches in Hollywood anyway that I could find. Okay. Um, And then when they were doing the the camera takes, when they were testing her clothing out, um, they realized that in this new type of technology, um, was Technicolor, okay? When they were testing her out on screen with the, with the film, it the Technicolor made her costume that was black and her body look like her head was floating. So it was the weird thing that was happening with the Technicolor and her skin color with her with her jet black costume. So the only way to fix this problem was to either change her clothing, it couldn't be black, or change her skin color. So they changed her skin color. And that's how she became green. And that's and ever since then, slowly over time, with the popularity of the Wizard of Oz, um, she became um, that that became associated with witchcraft, specifically evil witches. It was it was loved in uh, it was used a lot in cartoons, um, mm-hmm. and then you found it in other places too. It was associated witches have green skin. That's the only reason she had green skin, which is fascinating because it's become an icon and have has meaning in our culture now beyond you know um there's no other reason for it other than that and and anybody only tying into the wizard of oz nothing more um you know we could extrapolate and say every time an evil witch is portrayed usually they have some deformity in their face in their skin they look have to look somewhat inhuman and Mm -hmm. and that gets us into the conversation about horror and how that works and you know we could go on for hours about those discussions (laughs) (laughs) eric is a film major as well so yes i think he absolutely could yeah um and we we actually see that green kind of transfer over into more modern uh witch movies as well only it's portrayed as more obviously not as bright green as we see in wizard of oz but it's more of a pale green almost what i would think of like an illness green you know sick green uh and like i think there was one that i watched uh hansel and gretel uh you know which is Weird. I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of that particular. <laughs> also, I had so much hope for that movie, and I watched. See, it. I loved that um, movie. <laughs> wait, Hansel? Maybe. See, I th- it's. I'm confused. Maybe it's Which Gretel one? and Hansel. <laughs> Maybe it's Gretel, Gretel versus Hansel. No, no. There's one called. I think it, there's one called actually Gretel and Hansel, and it's. I think it came out twenty. It might have been 2019. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you know, and it was a weird film because it was just you know two kids who were kind of adopted into this household uh and the witch there was making them like fattening them up but they were actually eating body parts and they didn't know it uh and there's this weird thing where the girl started realizing it and the boy didn't he just wanted to keep eating um very different film it was very slow (laughs) taste which is just so hard to keep onto it but but yeah the witch had this you know this sickly green kind of color to her to her skin uh where the kids are obviously like they're they're they were bright and they're lively and you could tell that as the the uh movie progressed they too eventually started to kind of digress and become more pale and Mm -hmm. kind of shift away from this livelihood 
And that and that ties into why did they choose green exactly? And you know, there's speculation. I had I couldn't find any evidence, and there was no production notes about why they chose green back in mm-hmm. in the 30s. But I I either would say yes, they they were going for just that. They were going for this inhuman look, uh, a sickly look, because we associate being green with being sick. They also could have been tying it into Frankenstein. Because at the time, monster movies were really popular. Horror was so focused on monster movies at that time. So you mm-hmm. you see that discoloration in a lot of these monsters, and they may have tied that into Frankenstein. And I, I talk about that, the correlation between the imagery of the witch in at that period of time to Dracula and to vampires and, and, and monsters. So mm-hmm. you have that. And, and also that was when not, not long, not I think it was just a few years before that we had the first zombie movie. So you really were seeing that the coloring was probably associated to that death and sickliness and this inhuman uh, person, inhuman creature. Um, That's why they chose green. And that follows through, like you said, all the way to 2019. (laughs) Credle and Hansel. I haven't seen the movie yet, so I'll have to get back to you on my my thoughts on it. Yeah, because Hansel and Gretel was the witch hunting movie where they were mm-hmm. adults. Yes. Yeah. And there I was a number was of one. them. There's yeah. a lot of them. There was a lot of them in a string in like early to 2013, 2011, Hansel and Gretel, witch hunters, Hansel and Gretel, Hansel, Hansel versus Gretel, Hansel and Gretel get baked, Hansel and Gretel, now this new one. <laughs> Yeah, no, th- yeah, this one was Gret- Gretel and Hansel uh, 2020 uh, okay. was when it was done. But <clears throat> oh, yeah, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what it, what it, I, I know we've talked a lot about, you know, just what exactly uh, or how exactly witchcraft has kind of moved through history. But what do you think it is about witchcraft that intrigues writers and filmmakers so much that they continue to add them to their stories? I think there's always a curiosity with the occult and and what is out there, both to scare us if that's the thing, or to intrigue us and enhance and to to intrigue us and to inspire us. So you get both sides of the coin on that. It's something that we magic is something we either know or don't know or we're unsure of its existence there's this mystery there um i think in the same way you would do people are fascinated with the paranormal do ghosts exist i i know they do i feel them but no they don't exist and are they bad i'm scared but no i love this too it's 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 a it's this this sort of um interesting thing we we relationship we have with magic in that way and i think that's that's been forever. And so it, it lends itself to stories, but the witch in particular, as a rebel, as a sim, as a symbol of the rebel, as this, like I was talking about earlier, as, as an inspiration to those that are oppressed, oppressed or feel, even if it's the, the teenager who's just stuck with their parents in the house and wants to get out, what that limit is, it doesn't matter. If you feel like you're limited, the witch inspires you to, step beyond that to push boundaries and so that is another reason and that's why the witch seems to be cyclically interesting during times of difficulty magic is uh attractive the occult becomes more attractive during times of social difficulty so we had it become really popular during the 60s and 70s during the cultural revolution it then became popular again um, in the 80s of course there was backlash but then you had it 
rising up with with the teen with the teen revolution and the teen movement, girl movement, and then again in the two thousands when society started to become unstable again with all the new cultural movements we've seen over the last ten years. So witchcraft and magic always seem to become more popular during these times, and writers capitalize on it. As soon as you start to see tarot cards going up, sales going up, you know Hollywood's going to go. We got to do a story about tarot cards because this is popular. So it's a combination. And also it's just an inspiration. People are want to talk about magic because they feel disempowered. So that's one thing you turn to religion, uh, spirituality, magic, all those things. Okay. Okay. So we've talked about, uh, you know, your interest in film and, and witchcraft in film, but what got you interested in studying religion and witchcraft itself? Um, uh, college. Um, I was, you know, I, I, I grew up in a sort of a very religiously diverse environment. Um, so there was people of all different beliefs and no belief talking religiously, um, you know, studying science and uh, theater and all of these wonderful things. I, I was just curious and something called to me and I started uh, studying tarot and astrology and started picking up the witchcraft books. Um, you know, it was in my dorm in college doing what college college kids do. They explore their world and that it just it captured my imagination and um, filled filled a, a void, I guess you could say uh, um, that was wonderful and so i kept going and i studied i kept studying it the different many different aspects of it mm-hmm. okay well was there like a a particular moment when when you were doing all your research back then where you just thought yeah this is it this is this is i'm going to be running with this in the future like this is where <laughs> this, i love this <laughs> um i think back then it was a personal thing like i said my film studies was totally separate there was mm-hmm. there was my film school which i loved you know sit and watch five movies a day and you know don't stop me and so uh there was that and and i particularly love um film history that's my thing um in in that area and then um you know, and I kept doing that. That was what I was going to do. The other aspect of it, the occult was more a personal thing. That was my personal journey. So it wasn't something I ever expected to uh, pursue as a career or have it overtake my life or merge with film. I had, I had no idea. Okay. So then here we are, we've, or you've covered the history of witchcraft in film and television up until present time what do you think is next in regard to the subject or concept of the witch in hollywood and if you could in what new and exciting way would you portray her oh that's a great second question so let's do that one after the first question i always say well let me get out my crystal ball and let me see what's coming <laughs> up um because i really can't tell and the, and the reason why I do believe we're at the end of the cycle. So we, the cycle began about 2013 Uh, around then I talk about it. I do think we're at the end. I think we're going to move into another um, popular magical, mystical something. Um, The last time it happened, it was paranormal. We got really into ghosts for like five or six years. Then there was zombies and vampires, et cetera. So we're moving into something else. Um, What that is, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I keep guessing paranormal. I'm not exactly sure yet, but what's going to happen for the witch? She's going to kind of keep riding along, um, probably become second, more secondary 
um, characters for a while and then she'll spring back up and be, we'll get another cycle. What that looks like exactly, I don't know because the witch is ultimately, and as I write at the end of my book, she's ultimately a rebel. She can never become mainstream. She's always going to be pushing boundaries, challenging us, um, uh, being somebody who is of us, but not of us. And what that looks like depends on what society looks like. You know, mm-hmm. um, things that become acceptable, acceptable is then, let me say that again, things that are not acceptable now that the witch is embracing now might be acceptable then. So the witch is going to have to go further out to try something else. So I don't know what she's going to look like. We will definitely have green skin. We'll definitely have black cats, all the kitsch that's lasted. I'm sure that'll still be around for everyone to enjoy their Halloween ventures, which is, which I love too. Um, but what she's going to look like more allegorically and symbolically I don't know um so what would I want um I'm a big Wizard of Oz fan so I'm all about uh doing Wizard of Oz (laughs) remakes and uh not no let me say that again not a remake of the original film you don't touch that film but uh I love that lore um I would like to see um more representations of modern witchcraft and increase that Uh, to include hoodoo and voodoo and positive practices of these religions. Um, Mm. I would like to see more of that. It's happening. I would like to see more of it. I want to see explorations in a narrative way that put these characters into into films, into stories without singling them out as being either evil or positive or anything. Just, just having a family be, be Wiccan, you know, and part of a bigger story, just sort of normalizing the presence that they're just people around practicing. And that's not what the story is necessarily about. You see it in uh, Grace and Frankie, um, where there's just characters about. Um, so that's some of the stuff I'd like to see. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, it is about that time where we usually let our guests go. So the last question of the day is, where can everybody find you, find the book? The mic is all yours. Um, well, let's see. You can find me mostly on Twitter if you want to find my social. Uh, it is miraselina one um, My website is heathergreen.net, so you can find me, um, all my social stuff there, my um, how to contact me, um, as well as some of my writing and the book itself, more on the book. Where can you find the book? Um, all of the big online retailers, buy local, go to your local bookstores. It's there too. Um, start there if you can, of course. Um, but it's also at my publishers, Llewellyn.com. You can buy it directly through them as well. And um, and that's it. I hope everyone, uh, I hope y'all read it. And if you find a witch movie that I don't talk about, send me a message and I will watch the movie if I haven't. And I will be happy to chat with you about it. <laughs> Gretel and ha- and Hansel. Hansel yeah. That's the first one. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Heather Green, thank you for being on Paratruth Radio. Thank you very much. This is a great conversation. I enjoyed it. All right, folks. That was Heather Green, author of Lighting. I'm sorry, Lights, Camera, Witchcraft. Uh, make sure you pick up the, a copy today. Uh, we do have an opportunity for you, so stay listening. Um, but we're going to take a quick break. You'll hear Eric's random fact of the day, a quick commercial, and you'll, we will be right back with Paratruth Radio. Now, 
Eric's random fact of the day. Did you know that humans are the only animals that enjoy spicy food? According to bestlifeonline.com, it's an evolutionary mystery that scientists have had trouble explaining. But humans are the only animals who actually enjoy eating spicy food. There does not seem to be any health benefit to eating painful peppers, though some research finds that it may fight off fungus. So the best reason some have suggested is the simple thrill factor. No different than the fact that we are the only animals that like roller coasters and scary movies. Science, 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 science. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes. Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes, yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast. Welcome back to Paratooth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. We hope you guys are enjoying the show thus far. And before break, as Justin said, we do have something a little special that we're going to share here. So, Justin, I'm going to let you go ahead and take that away right now. Okay. So, we have two extra copies of Lights, Camera, Witchcraft that we are going to do a giveaway for. So, if you are interested in reading this book, which I highly recommend, um, Make sure that uh, you respond to the any social medias. You know, just comment. Yes, I want this book. Um, we will take the first two that respond, or if you shoot us an email at paratruthradio@gmail.com, you could do it that way as well. Um, as well as if you listen via paratruth.com, you can contact us that way too. So make sure that you get in as soon as possible because we will be choosing the first two that respond to us all right so what'd you think it's interesting um it really is it's a fascinating thing because witchcraft goes back so far back in our history and to see that it has been a pop culture phenomenon for as long as it has and how it has um influenced people into having more uh curiosity about witchcraft is mm-hmm. fascinating right yeah even I the mean, green I'm... skin thing i never knew that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm in total agreement and you know it's it's i think it's interesting to see how 
I guess how the representation of witches and witchcraft has changed. And there was a time where, you know, when we were growing up, a lot of witchcraft seemed to be evil or portrayed a darker, uh, had a darker significance. Whereas nowadays mm. uh, we are seeing much more lighthearted uh, witchcraft. And, you know, and of course we have like those blends where it's like, oh, witchcraft can be good, but it can also be bad. You know, and I think of like, uh, you know, movies like Practical Magic where, not that the witchcraft is bad, but that there was an evil entity that possessed, uh, you know, a, a dead guy or sorry, the dead guy was the ghost, right? The evil entity uh, right. who possessed one of the sisters. Right. And they had to use their craft in order to try to cast out that spirit, which, you know, we've talked about in the past. Well, how many different ways are there to cast out spirits? And right. ugh, the list goes on and on and on, uh, right. which really tells us it's probably not a wrong way necessarily unless you're trying to cast out one spirit with another bad spirit uh, oh, which is probably not a good thing to do <laughs> that gets into hey satan things. come get this this spirit out of this person yeah not <laughs> no. a good idea no. uh yeah you know it's yeah it's it's it's, it's interesting to to kind of see how things have changed and the green it's funny like thinking that they went with the green skin uh in order to help create like a better symmetry, I guess, between uh, the actor and her clothing in right. uh, the Wizard of Oz, especially when it's like the lighting. Because I was like, well, could it have been lighting? Because I'm sure lighting probably could have had something to oh, do with it, yeah. you know, depending on what color they chose. Obviously, uh, for Technicolor, Technicolor is still really good, you know, still used, still really good. And it's, you know, when you look at that movie, um, the skin tones are are pretty natural so we mm -hmm. i know like the lighting wasn't uh shifting skin tones to a green uh so that couldn't have right. been one you know <laughs> an issue there but it's i don't know it's 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 just kind of interesting well even more interesting is they decided to change her skin color instead of her clothing like why did it have to be black you know what i mean i mean right than well black represents evil sure that could have been it i think the other thing though is just uh finances so they're going to save more money by throwing some paint on her than they would have if they had to change out the entire wardrobe uh and stitch every whole new thing together so that's probably the most likely reason okay it, all of it was interesting but i that's the one thing it kept going in my mind i'm like okay change the the color of the dress or change the color of the skin my first thought is not to change the color of the skin but i didn't have the budget that they have like you're saying so. <laughs> <laughs> um, well sometimes it's you know the, it, the the easy choice is sometimes the best choice you know it's i mean yeah it takes a little more time to throw her in makeup every day but you might be saving a, a few pennies or if, you know the director ended, ended up really loving that black mm. gown or dress, whatever she was wearing, you know, just that's, the way she looked in it. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, well, what else can we do? And of course they put the green on and boom, look at what happened. Right. So now everybody kind of uses that as a base of reference when they're developing these witch stories. Right. And like, like she was saying as well, you know, it it's, kind of went in waves about the story of the witch and then we hit the satanic panic and it was usually always an evil witch and and all that and then we hit 
the end of the 90s, early 2000s, and The Craft came out, which was a huge influence on me as a kid to at least spark my interest in um, looking at, at Wicca or witchcraft as not as like a religion for myself, but just studying it and, and trying to find out what it's all about. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I think back, I mean, aside from, you know, growing up with Wizard of Oz, my mom loved that movie. Uh, right. So we grew up with it. But yeah, the craft was one in my memory when it first came out. You know, it's just it's a staple. It's it's something that kind of gave I think gave a lot of people a new or a refreshed outlook or refreshed look into uh, what witchcraft could be, you know, Um and of course, there's quite a bit, bit of exaggeration even in in that movie, but it's enough to make you be like, "Oh, this is kind of cool," you know. It's right. What is it about about this this whatever it is? You know, people who don't know what is it? Is it a faith? Is it a is it a just a belief? Is it a religion? Religion? Right. Is it like what? It, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> um. Well, something that I I thought was was hilarious because both you and her talked about how the way witchcraft is portrayed in fiction, whether that is in movies, theater, uh, books, is completely different than what the practice is and the outcome. Because you're not, like you had said, you're not going to wave a wand and somebody's going to fly across the room. The wand is just an instrument to work with the spell. But could you imagine the world we would be living in right now if, that was the way witchcraft actually worked. I'd be a witch if that's how it worked. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> there is no question. <laughs> well, same thing for me. If if being a Jedi was a thing, I would be a a Jedi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I know. It's you know, it's I, you know, it, it gets into your imagination. That's how you wish it could be. And, you know, when it comes to witchcraft, of course, depending on what, what you're practicing and how deep you're into it, uh, there are simple spells where you can, you know, go outside and uh, kind of like become one with nature, you know, and become, be an elemental witch, you know, get using the air and, and fire and this, you know, there's fire witches, there's air witches, there's grass witches, there's all these different types of witches. Um, but you know, there are, I guess, a deep, there's a deeper craft and much deeper spells that when conducted have to be conducted at a specific time. Uh, that means like it could be, it could be a specific day, uh, it could be a specific time as in the clock, a specific time. It could be a certain alignment of the planets and the stars. Uh, you know, there's all these little intricate details that need to be exact in order for a spell to even work. Um, and of course, those are the very intricate spells and sometimes they work sometimes they don't uh we've talked with a number of of practicing witches who uh both you know wicca and voodoo and hoodoo uh who have said yeah you know sometimes it's it's perfect and it's right sometimes it doesn't quite you know get there sometimes it takes time for it to develop you know it's it's a patient game you know right or the the spells that you have to continuously just continuously keep doing the spell sure. in order for it to sure repetition place. you know keep doing that or keep saying it I mean that's like when I mentioned the grimoire there there's 
uh, you know, people who kind of have their own spell books, you know, and early uh, in witchcraft history, these basically the head of the coven would hold have this book and they would write down everything and then whoever would step into their place would then have access to that book and they would be able to add to it and use whatever spells were in there nowadays with the modern witch uh you can create your own spells and it's kind of like journaling you write out what works and what doesn't work until you get the right quote-unquote recipe for your spell Mm -hmm. and how it was successful or in some cases, how it wasn't. And, you know, it, you can pass that on or just keep it to yourself. And it's kind of like a diary of uh, both your understanding and how your understanding has developed over time and how your practice has developed uh, over time and kind of see where you want to go with it. Sure. All right. Any final thoughts or, or any uh, housekeeping that we have to do for today? No, I don't think there's any housekeeping holidays. We we do have one holiday coming up, which you and I have to discuss if we're going to do anything for good old St. Patty's Day, because uh, I think we've done we've done a couple in the past, um, but I don't think the last few years we've done anything. Right. Well, and um, you're forgetting another one. Is there? Uh, no, just don't don't. That one doesn't exist. <laughs> That one doesn't exist. <laughs> well, <laughs> for everybody else, happy Valentine's Day, uh, seeing as this comes out just before Valentine's Day. Um, but have we ever done a... I don't think we've ever done a Valentine's Day one. Uh, I don't think we have. I have. Oh. On, my, on one of my... The old show. Um, and there's not much. I mean... Yeah. There, there's a, a a piece of lore that ties into it, and it does have to do with like a a saint, um, but it doesn't. There's not much of a show in it, to be honest. <laughs> we could probably talk for ten minutes and then just sit here like drinking beer and eating candy hearts for the rest of the. I mean, it, yeah, it would have to be a a uh, down the rabbit hole where we talk about multiple different things. I mean, because you can get into the Greek mythology with Cupid or uh, sure. Roman mythology with Cupid and all that stuff, but. But all right, folks. Um, make sure you get into uh, get into the contest for winning one of two copies of Lights, Camera, Witchcraft. Um, like I said, either comment on any of the social media uh, posts with this episode. Um, you can email us, or you if you're you're on Paratruth.com and that's the way you listen to us, just uh, message us straight from there. But until next week, which will be a down the rabbit hole episode, uh, my name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. This is
Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.